welcome back to That's Kind of Wavy. We're your hosts. I'm Shaysal. I'm Jill. And I'm Nikki. So what's up, y'all? How's it been? I know it's been a minute, but it's been a couple of weeks. I mean, we've seen each other since then, but which yeah. we'll talk about. <laughs> but yeah, we have not recorded in a little bit because life has been crazy. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, she, Sal, and I both had birthdays. Ooh, so whoa, happy, happy birthday, birthday to us. Yeah. Hala. So that was partially why it was so crazy. Um, but for me, things have been pretty good. I've been in, you know, Yay. good headspace, feeling like positive about things, you know, all the good stuff. Like mental illness, who, you know, like I'm nice. like, oh my God. I'm functioning. So we love that. Yeah. That's awesome, Nikki. For real. Yeah. Yay. Love to hear How about that. you, Jilly? Um, same. I've just been in my film queen era. Um true. Yeah. Your eighties film queen to get specific. Yeah. My Cronenberg film queen era. Yeah, true. Um, my dreams have been unwell lately. To say the least, but at the same time, like I'm enjoying it. <laughs> it's never traumatic. Overnight. Like I'm just quirky. <laughs> yeah, I'm like you know, I had a dream I was stabbed, but it's fine. I was chilling. I had a Six dream the other night. My, my fingers were shot off. Oh my god! <laughs> Whoa! <The fingers. laughs> yeah. Damn. All right. Yeah. Not yeah. to one up you, but just oh. it just made me remember. I was like, oh, I had a violent dream recently, actually. Yeah. And, you know. Just the way things go in the brain. Yeah. We but, um, yeah, we all saw each other last. Was that just last weekend? Two wow. weekends ago. Two, Two weekends wow, ago. Oh, my God. I'm like, it It feels like it was just last weekend. But I know. What is I time? Oh, yeah. But that was so fun. Um, Shaysel can talk more about what we did, but it was a whole, it was a whole event. It was a whole thing. Literally. It was a whole yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, it was a whole thing. It was so yeah. fun. It was, yeah. Um, yeah, a couple of, well, two, yeah, li- literally a couple of weeks ago now on Saturday the 25th, February 25th, um, we, or I, I hosted my first event. It was a queer femme centered event um, as like, I don't know if I've talked about it much on the podcast. I've definitely talked about it a little bit, but if I mean, I'm assuming most people who listen to this know this, but I'm a DJ and I've DJed a couple of events and stuff, but I wanted to host my own event because we've all had a lot of difficulties going out and realizing that there are just very little spaces for queer femmes, like really anywhere. I mean, obviously we can go to LGBTQ plus friendly spaces and wherever, but it's not like, I don't know, it, it still feels like we don't have our own community there in a lot of ways um, and for sapphic folks in general. So yeah, I had this idea to create my own like event brand called Elixir. And I had this first event called Mutable because Mutable Pisces, you know, my birthday and everything. And yeah. Um, and also to honor Elixir's ever evolving mutable nature. But yeah, it was like so, so amazing um, for those who didn't go. I hope that if you're in the area or even in other cities, eventually, hopefully you can come to one of the events because it was like so amazing and it seemed like everyone had a really good time and I'm very, very happy about it. And I had another gig um, last week at the California Clipper. It's a place in Chicago that's like, I mean, a place that I wanted to DJ at for a while. So I'm really happy about it. 
And yeah, things have been good with that. My mental health, not as great right now because of this, like, we're recording today on, what's today? what day is today? The, the 6th? The 7th. 7th okay on March 7th full moon the, yeah the Virgo full moon and also Pisces just entered Saturn I, I've, I'm always in astrology as we all know and like we all are but recently also because I've been spending way too much time on Twitter again um and I've wanted to reconnect with astrological stuff again um but yeah I've just been very aware of all the transits and everything so I'm it's I'm top of my mind but I'm excited <laughs> for what's to come astrologically and yeah but mental health still kind of all over the place but we'll get there it's just always <laughs> like that you know but we'll get yeah. there keeps you on your toes it really yeah. does it really does just... keep life quite interesting I'm like you never really yeah. know what's gonna happen I guess not even internally <laughs> <laughs> literally <laughs> like you think you could have that but it's fine but I mean um, if we can get right into it if y'all are ready to get into it our topic yeah. for the day yeah so we've all been interested in just generally celebrity culture, but in particular, kind of like what has made celebrity culture what it is. And in particular, why we so frequently tend to like lean towards consuming hate in celebrity culture, kind of like constantly. So having that question in mind and knowing that it's kind of a loaded question because there's so much history behind it and so many celebrities and just a lot of context, we thought we'd make this another one of our series. So we'll have a couple episodes on this. And to start, we thought about talking about some of the origins of celebrity culture, as well as like origins of tabloids, how they evolved, stuff like that. And then over time in the next couple episodes, and we'll get into more modern celebrity culture, um, and then eventually get into why it is that we love to hate on celebrities. And there is much to say about that psychologically, sociologically, amongst other things, whenever we get to that. But um, to start, I'll start with giving some of the history on celebrity culture. So I'm sure that there are varying opinions on what exactly started in celebrity culture, but a lot of the sources that I read seem to indicate that it was predominantly in the 18th century. There were some people indicating that technically the first celebrities could be linked back to like, you know, ancient Greek civilization, which makes sense. Like they said, in particular, three big celebrities were ones that were in Plato's symposium. Um, I don't, I didn't write down the other two names, but one of them was obviously philosopher Socrates. And then another one was like a playwright and a politician. And also some Olympians from back then were also famous, um, which I don't know how they really defined fame back then, but this one, this one research article I found uh, mentioned that, but the other ones, wait, wait, folk- I do want to yes. say the, etymological origin of the word fame yes comes from the latin word meaning rumor but could also mean great deeds that will be known throughout millennia oh wait so i have a question so that like were both of those definitions existing already i mean i'm sure that they were but like in latin it had those two definitions yeah interesting yeah okay interesting um Okay, well, um, in the 18th century, which I, I'm sure our listeners like know this, and I know it too, but it always takes me a second, like 18th century equals 1700s. <laughs> like I always kind of like, forget that it's not like that. It's Same, not 1800s. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so in the 1700s, kind of like some of the, I didn't like, li- I named a couple, which I'll name in a second, but I didn't really list out a bunch of the potential celebrities of the time, but 
in general as a concept, there was interest during that time in like living authors, artists, performers, scientists, and even some philosophers. Like for example, in 1782, um, John, I never know how to pronounce his name. I think it's John Jacques Rousseau. I learned a lot about him in my AP Euro class. He was a famous enlightenment philosopher or maybe during romanticism. I can't remember, but it was around 1782, according to this celebrity. He published a celebrity, <laughs> this article. He published an autobiography and claimed that there were rumors about him because of that autobiography. I don't know what rumors, but you know, wait, so he rumors the, that he fucks in yep. the autobiography. He said what the rumors were or he no. wrote the autobiography because there were rumors about him. I think there were rumors because of the autobiography. So I don't so know. He, perpetuated them i well i think well he perpetuated them by acknowledging them but i don't think he oh, talked okay. about them in the autobiography i think i think oh okay they stemmed because he published the autobiography i thought i thought it was like he was like people say i have a huge penis like i don't know why <laughs> don't people know say that. <laughs> that's why i was like, like wait <laughs> um no he claimed that that was the case and actually i mean i could be completely making this up but it was vaguely reminiscent of like when i was an ap era when we talked about him i remember i remember him kind of being described as a drama queen a little bit so like it kind of makes sense that he was like rumors about me post-autobiography but sure oh my god anyways i know sounds gay no i was gonna say the rumors are that he's gay literally (laughs) i'm like that's a little a little flamboyant of him, which is something. Sure, sir. <laughs> um, and then by the 18th century, there were some performers that even had some stalkers and groupies. I don't really know what they would have looked like back then. And I don't, I mean, I guess they would have been the same thing, but I don't really know how they would have like found them in the way that people find them now. But, you know, I guess when there's a will, there's a way. Haley Bieber wishes. <laughs> true. True. Um, and then a century before TV and radio, there were still celeb- celebrities doing things like endorsing wigs, face creams, powders, even pianos, which is interesting, and like bottled water. Um, and then we move on to, well, wait, we just so- pausing on that. Yeah. It made me think of like how we watch or like how a thing is like makeup reviews or something or like somebody I literally just watched like a video of somebody like wearing like trying on like a different style of wig and like it's like imagine that type of video but with like powdered wigs <laughs> like today's yeah today's influencers doing like put this literal lead paint on your face so <laughs> do makeup mercury filled makeup yeah <laughs> I mean, obviously, I wouldn't want that person to be in danger, but like, I'm very curious about what that would look like. Right. <laughs> right. There is, there is, I have, I remember Bianca and I watched this like a while ago. She found this influencer, and, and especially now on TikTok, there's definitely more of these. This was like in 2020. I guess TikTok was a thing back then too, but this was like on YouTube. There's like this influencer that does a lot of like 1700 stuff. So we'll, we'll do things like this is what, this is how they straighten. I mean, they didn't straighten their hair back then, but just like, Oh, no. back then. They, they like, like put it on a fucking ironing board oh my god no, yeah they would real. like iron their hair literally. i mean that's basically it sounds dramatic but, but that's literally what, what we do right yeah it's just less we just have a more less, efficient way and le- a little less terrible <laughs> but but basically 
Um, and then, okay, so moving on to, I won't get into like, like I said, we'll discuss this in future episodes, more of like modern celebrity culture, because that's a whole other world to dive into. But this article and some of our questions involved why modern celebrity culture emerged, which even then the modern celebrity culture that I'm about to talk about is more of like, uh, like getting like theater type of celebrity culture in the late 1800s, as well as kind of like pre slash very beginning of Hollywood culture. Cause that's when it dives into something different, but modern celebrity culture, people speculate, which I mean, it's kind of like proven. This is probably the reason is that there was a lot of increased liter- literacy in the time, particularly in North America and England, along with a lot of technological advancements with like printing and stuff like that. So it was kind of like this exponential thing happening with, more more printing happening being more accessible they specifically mentioned the democrat democratization of just newspapers and stuff like that because before only certain people the wealthy could even read the news which like i mean i wasn't surprised to hear that but just to hear that only wealthy people could hear the news is just like fucking insane well it's literally because they were the only ones that could read true and that's why and that's why they like a lot of like slave owners didn't want to like teach their slaves how to right. read so that You're they like so couldn't right. get information. Yeah. That's so And fucked. also the news was so expensive. Literally like a newspaper cost six cents in the 1800s yeah. and that was half a day's worth of pay for most people. What? So <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. So you had to be wealthy to even buy a newspaper, let alone be able to read it. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane. Well, um, yes, that was that was certainly happening. And then they started they moved over in the eighteen thirties to I think it was the eighteen thirties, let me make sure. Okay, yeah, it became more commercialized, not just for the wealthy, and that's when some newspapers started being sold for like I think they were called like penny something. I can't remember maybe I had penny some press. Notes. Yes, penny press. Um, because they were only a penny and then people could actually buy them, read them, et cetera. And um I actually I wrote this down as an just an interesting point that i thought about that we can definitely discuss in future ones as well especially as whenever we wrap up this series i feel like this would be a good question to bring up but it was interesting to me that this democratization that led to people being able to engage with celebrity culture and therefore kind of created celebrity culture is then now kind of the opposite of what's happening with celebrity culture and the way that it's created these huge like social gaps obviously like wage gaps and stuff like that as well but just social gaps which is very interesting to me how it's kind of done the opposite of that but then again that's kind of like what happens with literally everything humans create whether it be this or like technology or just anything is it somehow just fucks us over in the end um but so do you so do you mean like would you say that um the celebrities before all this didn't make significantly more money than the other people um, no, that's not that's not what I mean because they actually I haven't looked into that, but I think they definitely did. What I mean is more that the democratization. Demo- I can't say this word. Democrat. <laughs> Democrat- democratization. The democratization of the printing press and everything, making people being able to obviously they could learn more about everything, not just this. So the, the democratization refers to everything, but it in a way kind of helped originate celebrity culture with people actually being able to know more about celebrities and everything so people kind of made them that which i mean is still the case today especially with influencers in particular but also now it's like 
there is kind of like the opposite of democratization with a lot of those things and the way that there are these huge social gaps in the way that we revere certain people that are celebrities versus like not which they did back then too but it's just interesting that the origins of how it could have been created was facilitated facilitated by democratization and now it's kind of like falling back on us in the opposite direction does that make sense yeah no I just think it I get what you're saying I don't know if I necessarily agree just because like what it what happened was that it gave like the power to the people to like consume the media they wanted to consume and I think that's what we still do like I think now we're like at the extreme level of it of like how much social media consume and like TikTok like TikTok is like the extreme level of like being able to like access the creators we want to access social media in general gives us access to celebrities in a way that literally didn't exist before like you can just check up on people all the time and so I think it I think it is like I mean, I agree that it's, like, to the point that's detrimental, but I think it's, like, still democratization just, like, even further than it was before. Okay, I see what you mean. Okay, yeah, I I definitely see what you mean, and I would agree with that. I guess what I meant is just that the freedom, when I think of, like, I mean, this... (laughs) Wow, what I'm about to say is definitely just sounds like propaganda coming out of my mouth. And I think it's I haven't, like I haven't even thought of the words like democratization since like high school AP history and stuff like that. But it's just I was about to say, like, in theory, democratization is like associated with freedom and stuff like that. So I guess what I was trying to think of is like theoretically the concept, which is a very biased perspective of a democratization because lately we've been taught in u.s schools and stuff like that but in theory democratization supposedly creating more freedom in the way that like not to sound all like whoa but like the way we've been enslaved by celebrity culture <laughs> and the access to celebrity culture constantly has had an interesting yeah. turn of events yeah. yeah and i think like being a celebrity the their perspective would also agree with that like being a, a celebrity now is like almost imprisonment in a way that you have no pr- privacy ever again. That's true. Yeah, That's very true. And that's actually yeah. very interesting with something I'm going to say in a little bit about like Hollywood culture, because apparently even modern celebrity culture now is very different from Hollywood culture in like mm-hmm. the 1940s in particular. But I'll get there in a second. So as we were talking about with the printing press and everything, newspapers were critical in kind of the origins of celebrity culture. And there was even... So at this time, there were even like steamships being created to to just expand the possibility of sh- shipping these newspapers overseas. And there was even one called like the Fanny. I think I wrote the Fanny Elsler. <laughs> Fanny <laughs> what? The Fanny. <laughs> Fanny. Uh, it was a steamship created to transport uh, newspapers across the Atlantic, and it was named after Fanny Elsler who was an, a famous Austrian ballet dancer. So it was just like ironic that it was, even that was kind of engaging with the celebrity culture because it was literally created for that reason. And in 1912, when talking about U.S. newspapers and everything, there was, or there was like a, this article cited this quote from some new, U.S. newspaperman talking to journalism students in 1912. And he explained that in publishing a newspaper, you endeavor to print what people want to read. Which that is very interesting because that is most certainly what tabloids do to the max, which again, we'll get to eventually because then it's like, hmm, why is it that people want to read such terrible negative things all the time, even though like we kind of are force fed that. But um, celebrities also knew of this power back then. And in 18- 1829, there were even like 
I think maybe they were the first two actors to do this. Maybe that's why they mentioned this in this article. Two actors sent sent a letter to a London newspaper because they believed that they weren't being portrayed properly. So maybe it was one of the first times that newspapers had to deal with, like, I don't know, claims of slander from celebrities. And at the same time, like I mentioned earlier, there were a lot of advancements happening in printing, also with things like the the steamships, et cetera, et cetera, all things that helped exponentially with distribution. Even like the invention of the photograph and the telegraph in general. Yeah. 100%. Yes, you're so right. So all of those things happening at the same time, which is very interesting because right now at my job, I work at a market research company. Um, we're talking about like the innovation process for our current marketing campaign. And this, this seems like, I mean, it's obvious, but for, for innovation to like succeed, it typically, it doesn't always have to be this case, but typically it has a lot to do with like a combination of things, including the right time. And this is very much like the right time for everything coming together. Just like most huge technological advancements and other advancements in society. Like the fact that all of these things were happening at the same time definitely just made all of this kind of blow up. So moving. It is, it is crazy. Like, like you said, like it's like when you say that it's like, yeah, I know that, but also like, damn, like, you know, like it, that, cause that's not something like people think about I don't know, whenever I'm thinking about, like, an invention or, like, something new that came out, you, like, don't really think about the aspect of, like, the timing of it. And so it is interesting, like, when you actually do, it's, like, if, I don't know, it's, like, all those methods of communication coming out at the same time definitely, like, also probably made them focus on developing those methods faster because they realized, like, the telegram was all the rage, so what's the next thing we can do, you know? No, yeah. right. It, it is so crazy. And like on that note, less specifically about inventions and stuff in general, just the concept of like, this is a side note, but just made me think of this. I remember in school sometimes, especially like in some of my, even though I, I was very interested in all of it always, honestly, in sometimes like some earlier psychology classes, you'd learn about some studies that were like, well, this is so obvious. And I can't think of an example right now, but like just some things that are just like, Obviously, we all know this, but it's just so interesting because it is like even this This sounds like I mean, this is this isn't even the example I was thinking of, but it can be an example. Even learning like, oh, certain bad things in childhood could lead to trauma. It's like, duh, why is there a study about that? That's obvious. But it's just so interesting because it's like it just makes such a difference when it's actually talked about and studied and everything. Just like with this right now, it's like you don't think about that frequently. And it does sound like, duh, all these things coming together and how important it is for the right timing, right opportunity, all that stuff. But it's like you take a moment to think about it and you kind of appreciate those things a lot more, which I think is really cool. No, totally. I totally yeah. agree. Yeah. And it's also just crazy to think about how like there are such long periods of human civilization where we didn't have inventions come out like that, that like literally fast forwarded, like catapulted society to new heights. And then it's like, the well, that's why there was revolution. like the dark age. The dark age is literally called that because there were like no inventions. Damn. True. I forgot yeah. about the dark age, yeah. which yeah. Yeah. makes sense. <laughs> because they're yeah. like, damn, like we were like, kind of stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but then it's like we hit the 1800s, the Industrial Revolution happens, and then, like, it makes sense why the population explodes and why all this right? stuff happens at the same time. Mm-hmm. But it's just crazy. How, like, I I feel like there is a phenomenon that has, like, a term for that experience of, like, 
a bunch of things happening at once, like a bunch of human knowledge being gained at the same time. But I think you're it's, right. It's just crazy to think about. I think you're right, and I, I I've definitely heard of whatever that specific phenomenon is, and I can't remember the name. But you're definitely right, and it's it's a very interesting thing to study. Yeah. Okay, so moving forward onto kind of like more of what we know as celebrities now, it's still a little bit older, but moving on to theater celebrities and not cinema, but actual like theater. Um, well, that sounds a little like I've just I've been watching movies recently that kind of have to do with like theater versus like film and whatever. The it's theater. Like, it's a, it's a theater. And it sounds a little like uppity to say it like that. I don't mean it like that. But <laughs> anyways, um, okay, so theater celebrities before film there were millions of people that would go to the theater across i mean the world and typically of course this i don't think this was very democratized this was still very much like a wealthy type of thing to do and even today still for a lot of people although it's actually fun fact fun fact abraham lincoln was a huge fan of the theater wow who would have wow. guessed yeah who, he, lived, so he died where he literally lived. <laughs> yeah for real he died just saying that because he got assassinated there yeah. i actually don't know who he was <laughs> That was his first time going in 12 years. God, that just would made that suck up. Wrong timing. <laughs> I know, damn. <sighs> okay, so um, during this time, even like this was kind of around the beginning, the very beginning of film and stuff too. So there were even some like film producers that used to go to theaters to kind of lure people into cinema. They would do things like, I can't remember the name. I didn't write it down. I can't remember the name of it, but I think they were going to have a film. If I'm remembering correctly, the film was going to be called like the kiss or something, but they knew how popular theater celebrities were or theater actors were. So then it was called like, I, th- I think this person's name was like, s- s- I don't know. Let's, I don't think it was Betty. We're going to say Betty May. And he called the film instead like the Betty May kiss or something like that because he knew that that would attract people in the same way that we do now with like influencer culture and celebrities and stuff. Like if you put their name on it, it's going to sell them. It's kind the of like Cardi B offset. Literally. McDonald's. McDonald's. Literally. Literally. Barf. <sighs> okay. But, and what's interesting is that 19th century theatrical celebs still had more autonomy. Like it's not, which I actually didn't really know this until recent films that I've seen about the era and just like, I don't know, learning about some child actors from back then in our previous episodes talking about child actors and stuff. But back then, like they actually did have a lot of autonomy unlike what we saw in some of like the beginning of Hollywood as we know it. And even sometimes more recently, so they could still control their own schedules, select even like their wardrobe sometimes like their public persona and stuff like that. But then during later decades with kind of like major film labels like and film major film producers stuff like that like louis b mayer the warner brothers etc around the 1940s stars were starting to become more controlled were told what roles to play whom to date in exchange of support from a powerful industry and stars who didn't follow this i didn't know that she was one of them but i guess Catherine hepburn was one of the ones that didn't follow this i don't really know anything about her life i just recognize her name but she didn't follow this among other ones that didn't either and they were subject to retaliation smear campaigns blacklisting which led to future unemployment for other films and stuff which i've definitely heard about in that industry and it's just like crazy that not adhering to who they wanted you to be which i mean that happens all the time still in a lot of fields but it's just crazy that it was like to that extent back then. And I didn't realize that there was that big of a shift from theater celebs to film celebs in the beginning of Hollywood. And in this article that I was reading, it kind of, I think it's like main point was that 
Hollywood did not create celebrities. And it's in fact kind of like an aberration of original celebrity culture because back then people could still, I guess, in a lot of ways still be themselves. I mean, this also is like up to interpretation because Oscar Wilde could be, could be considered a celebrity in a lot of ways, but he could not be himself because then he became infamous and Laurie went to jail for being gay and being so openly gay. (laughs) So not the the perfect example of not being able to be himself. (laughs) Literally literally jailed for being himself. (laughs) Jesus. Okay. So maybe not him, maybe not anyone that is like, you know, not following the heteronormative (laughs) white structure, but anyways, (laughs) Bad example. Bad example. (laughs) Uh, Okay. But then with the decline of those studios in the 1960s um, and the rise of internet culture, they said that this is, I don't know how I feel about this and we can discuss this more, but they, this article claimed that after that and with internet culture um, rising in the 1990s and stuff that we had kind of started to return to, cele- to the celebrity culture that was more anarchic, would you say? I mean, I know that's related to anarchy, but is it anarchic? I would I say, like, yeah, I think yeah. so. Okay. They said to more anarchic 19th century roots, which is when they kind of like do more of whatever they wanted and create their own public persona, which I don't know how I feel about that because maybe like now, now, like modern, modern celebrity culture, that's the case. But I would say like, given that the child actors that we grew up with and everything were still very much controlled and stuff, I don't think that they were, and I know it's different because they were child actors, but I don't think that it went back to however it was back then. And it makes me wonder how it is that this author perceives. What year did they say it went back or like what era? So the decline, starting with the decline of like those particular Hollywood studios in the 1960s. Oh, okay, 1960s. Yeah, but then also like the rise of internet culture. They didn't really address television in this one, but the rise of internet culture in the 90s. So like with all of that and still to today, they were kind of implying its return to the more anarchic type of celeb culture from the early 19th century, which I don't completely agree with. I feel like what they might mean at least in terms of like internet culture is influencers in general and like being able to be like a niche micro celebrity and like being able to control what you want to have out in the world without having like a PR team or like a marketing team and like you get to decide what you want people to see and like know about you basically yeah I would I would agree with that and then I feel like they're and this is like could probably be a whole different discussion topic so we don't have to go too deep into it but I feel like there hits a certain level of fame where then you do lose that autonomy yeah mm-hmm. and you go You're back right. to that like traditional method of like being a celebrity where you have like a management PR like it's probably like the second you hire a PR team you lose yeah. that yeah, yeah. No, you're you know right. because it's like you have and it usually is like good to have a PR team once you reach a certain love level just for the sake of like people are going to come at you for anything they can right but like it is like i think that like does sacrifice some autonomy after yeah. you do that yeah I definitely and agree. i feel like that's a good place to talk about tabloids because personally i would say that th- this transition has just started within like the 2010s and later because the 90s and 2000s were ruled by the paparazzi. Literally. So True. people were absolutely like not autonomous. Hello, J-14. Britney Spears. 
<laughs> yeah. Did you guys? Did you guys read? One. Yeah. Did you guys read those? There was yeah. J fourteen. I didn't was read Tiger Beat. There was but Tiger Beat. I would read J fourteen a lot. Tiger Beat. Yeah. Did you know what J fourteen fourteen stood for? Just fourteen. Just fourteen. Yeah. Just for teens. Oh, <laughs> just fourteen. <laughs> I thought it was yeah. just 14. No, 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 no. This it was is just a, for the teens. It is a whole other thing that we won't get into, but I just have to address. It's just I'm remembering and remembering what was in those magazines so vividly. And I remember I would always read them when I was in the bathroom. <laughs> but I remember. <laughs> Not your shitter reading. Literally, <laughs> literally. And I just remember how much they... <laughs> That's how much they fueled my disordered eating. Because, like, um, literally... Yeah. They, the fucking like diet and i can't believe these were tailored to teenagers because it shouldn't be in any magazine but like to teenagers like it was literally like low calorie snacks and it was like if you just eat a cup of popcorn instead of chips and like if you eat this and if you eat this and it was just it just like just you know classic disordered eating kind of just like the bikini bod literally it's so interesting like because i don't not and this is not saying that you are wrong or making that up but i don't remember that at all like that, when I picture the magazines, I picture literally the centerfolds. They would put posters, the posters in them, the mag- yeah, and the then picture. I would take I would take the quizzes at the end for like who, like, does your crush like you kind of thing, or how to get your crush to like you. So I was like, I literally would skip everything. I would just go to the poster or like the boy stuff. <laughs> that was like so like boy crazy, and so it's just so interesting, like. I feel like it's like whatever you were already hooked on, they knew how to feed that, you know, like because yeah, that literally had my like obsession with like getting a boy to like me by like taking those quizzes and shit like that, you know. No, same. I mean, if there are two things that those magazines fueled for me, it was my disordered eating when I was younger, and also my obsession for making people like me and thinking that I could like <laughs> if I just acted a certain way and just was chill enough, then people will like me. <laughs> me. All right. Um, well, so should I get into tabloids or did you have more you wanted to say, Shaysel? Um, I had one more thing I wanted to say, but I'll wait. It's more of, let me look at it again one second. It's a question that I had for you guys. I'll, I'll see it for the end. Okay. So um, <clears throat> I looked into um, the history of tabloids because like obviously like newspapers and stuff whatever but tabloids were like first what would like have the like little like celebrity blips and stuff and like um the sun times and like shit like that those are considered tabloids that we have today that are like in grocery stores what's another one um national Enquirer. yes thank you okay i was like there's another like big name so that's why i looked into tabloids specifically so apparently the first tabloid ever um came out in 1901 um and it's because there was the publisher of new york world invited this man alfred harmsworth um and then i i just like copy and pasted this sentence it says later viscount northcliffe so he like changed his name to be obnoxious as fuck apparently (laughs) as if alfred harmsworth wasn't (laughs) it wasn't pretentious enough yeah (laughs) Who was the founder? So Alfred Harmsworth was the founder of the Daily Mail in London, which was it wasn't a full on tabloid, but it was a bit more like celebrity oriented. Um, He was invited to edit the New York World for a day. And what for one day? And they're like, this is it. 
Yeah, so Harmsworth, <laughs> Harmsworth imaginative version of the world, which came out on January 1st, 1901, was half the size of the paper's customary format and was heralded as the newspaper of the 20th century. Harmsworth's conception of a tabloid, however, referred not to the reduced size of the newspaper, but to the economic use of printing space, which he filled with short stories, short paragraphs, and simple sentences. So it's interesting, like, that already shows like even though it wasn't like made off the bat to be like gossip columns it's like okay but the whole point was that it was short simple sentences and stuff so it's like oh so it was like the brain dead information basically no so like from like conception it was like set up for that basically it's also interesting that like they obviously made that to appeal to also like to just have it be more accessible for people so that they could make more money um, by like just selling more copies of things. But also like the, I feel like this is going to sound like loaded to say, but I feel like they wanted to appeal to the people that like had less knowledge and like less literacy about things because they were like more entertained by the quote unquote entertainment stories instead of just like the boring old facts about things and yeah. yeah, like that sold a lot of copies. So that's so true. Jill. Yeah, like no, she said in the beginning, they make m- m- newspapers to sell shit. They want to yeah. make money. Yeah. No, totally. Um. Well, yeah. So my next like fact kind of relates to that. So in 1903, Harmsworth had the first modern tabloid, the Daily Mirror, in London. And appealing to the mass market, it presented crime stories, human tragedies, celebrity gossip, sports, comics, and puzzles. The Mirror offered more photographs than other newspapers and presented its stories in a reduced and easy-to-read manner. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, like exactly what you just said, down to like also there being more pictures. Like yeah, they're like, here's literally. a little picture book <laughs> for the dum dums. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it is. I mean, I think it's also like, I mean literacy wasn't like as high as it is now you know and so it it was more accessible to more people but then also I feel like people people who aren't as literate just are typically less have less education just from like not from their own fault but just because like that's a result like yeah if they had more education, they would be more literate, you know, kind of right. like it's like a comorbidity, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like that's also like those people are like easy to like prey on almost and like tell the like um like fear mongering stories almost. So like for yeah. like the crime stories and like gossip columns and stuff, then they're like more inclined to like be like oh that must be true that must be what happened you know yeah yeah I and could, i also I feel like more. i also feel like as sad as it is the tragedies are things people understand like you don't have to be literate to understand and like feel empathetic or like sad or true. scared and confused about something whereas well, like, like oh there was a train wreck yeah, everyone like everyone can understand that. Yeah, and you can feel some type of way about it. Whereas like the old newspapers, the big sized shit, the broadsheets, those were like straight up cut and dry facts where like you would probably read that and literally not understand anything that it's saying. So it's like, yeah, of course, I don't give a fuck about, you know, learning about like the economy. Who cares? 
Yeah, Jill, that is an incredible. Okay, me take. today. Yeah, true. Jill, that is an incredible take that we need to come back to because that like not just psychologically has a lot of implications, but even like on a neuroscience level because of the way that we process things emotionally is so different from having to like critically analyze things like i mean truly and kind of i mean there's not really one part of the brain dedicated to each but like kind of in different parts of your brain so that's something that we definitely need to come back to that's a very very good take thank yeah. you no totally um this is i mean it's about creation of tabloids but it's more about the etymology of the term tabloid mm-hmm. i just thought it was interesting um it's shrouded in uncertainty But in the late 19th century, a tabloid was a trademark medicine, and the name was a compound of tablet and alkaloid, and and it was like a condensed form of taking medicine, and so people think that it's like, Mm, yeah, that's how they came, like condensed bite-sized stories from like a condensed medicine. I just thought that was interesting. Um, Excuse me. So this is something... This next thing is like something I never really thought about until I was like reading about this. And I was like, yeah, that's so interesting. So think about like Sun Times and National Enquirer. You really can only find those in like supermarkets or like Walgreens or something. True. Like they don't so they don't sell those like anywhere else. And that's like intentional. Yeah. So that uh the National Enquirer started that in the 1960s. Oh, the Globe is the other one. Um and it just said they forged their place in the market by utilizing sex and scandal, routinely championing scoops of celebrity or political secrets, as well as the bizarre, namely stories about the occult and UFOs. And so it's like they specifically chose to be put in like supermarkets, like they're still to this day, like by the checkout, you know, and I'll still sometimes yeah. like glance over like, what are they saying today? You know, like yeah, I never buy one, but I'm curious. Yeah, and so it's it is interesting. Like then they also use like the most like eye catching stories, and also especially like in the 1960s, all the housewives were doing all the shopping, and so then they're appealing to like the True. gossip and like wanting entertainment and information. You know, like they're appealing to that, and so it's just like interesting that it being in supermarkets was like very strategic. Because to me, it was like, oh, this was the only place it could get sold. Like, you know, like who else wants to sell (laughs) shit like this? Yeah. But it's like the National Enquirer like actually chose to do that. Um, Nikki, that is also such an incredible realization that is so interesting to think about for real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, oh, comparisons have been made between tabloid journalism and trash TV. Like uh, stuff like Unsolved Mysteries are seen as like an extension of alien-based stories published in the National Enquirer. And I thought that was really interesting because I like shows like Unsolved Mysteries and like, I mean, not that specifically. I think I've watched it like once, but like stuff like that where it's like. The concept of an unsolved mystery, not the namesake of the show, but. Yeah. Yeah. And, And just like stuff like, yeah, like we don't like pseudo documentaries where it's like oh these like stuff about like skinwalker ranch and stuff like that's yeah i find that stuff so interesting and somehow it's always seemed like not as trashy as the national Enquirer. but when it was like described like that i was like damn like i see (laughs) i do see the resemblance now when it says that because i was like it really is just like sensationalism at the end of the day truly yeah 
I mean, and I it's see like, it more for like the nineteen, the late nineteen hundreds and like early two thousands. But now, like the now shit actually is getting like scientific research. So I'm like, I don't agree with that as much now. For yeah, but like I know that the National Enquirer still does use UFOs for sensationalism. But I'm like, I don't view it as like tabloid material because there are people that like scientifically back up a lot of the information yeah well one one that comes to mind as an example um and i actually recently watched this like youtube video about it is like ghost hunters and stuff like that which like i think (laughs) yeah which like (laughs) and i think now like our generation is like this is like hoopla but like when it first came out it was like you know like early 2000s mid 2000s like people ate that shit up true yeah and it's like the national Enquirer wasn't able to get away with that kind of thing but then it was like the new it taking a new form in that documentary style gave it temporarily more like credence than or credibility than national Enquirer. Yeah, so, yeah. I just thought it was like I feel an like interesting person. I I see the ghost hunters way, like more being tabloidy because like at the end of the day, no, I it agree. is to like trick you into mm, like believe. No, I totally to agree. Money. Yeah, yeah. Um, this okay. So part of this, the reason that I just like wrote this down was because I thought it was so fucking funny. This is like the last thing I have about because that's basically like it. Like once they started realizing that they can shorten stories and make them like short and entertaining like that's they joined the supermarkets and then it's pretty much like hasn't really changed since then in the sense of tabloids but then there's like i didn't look into this actually but now i'm thinking maybe we can cut this out but i would want to then look into like like the snap stories oh how they God. do like i feel like Nikki, that's I like modern that. tabloids just like clickbait clickbait yeah, click as, as a concept I, yeah so it's like i feel like that's the next step that tabloids have taken but i didn't go into that like i just yeah. stayed in like the paper print dude and pretty speaking much they're of still that, just in supermarkets speaking of the snap articles i keep seeing one that says see jojo siwa's baby news and i'm like oh that's Stop trying to tell me Jojo Siwa's having a baby because I know this is fucking false. Yeah, I, that was like a search on TikTok. You know how like you can get recommended searches on yeah. TikTok? One yeah. of it was Jojo Siwa pregnancy announcement. I was like, isn't she a lesbian? Not that that <laughs> also, means she she's can't like be pregnant, but like, yeah, she's also like almost still a child. Yeah, I'm like, this um, girl better know better than to have a baby at 18. I'm sorry, but true. Yeah, no. Um. Okay, so. This is okay. The outrageous real life headlines featured in now defunct weekly world news, such as half man, half dog baffles doctors. <laughs> and this this one's even better. Bigfoot kept lumberjack as love slave. Oh, <laughs> oh my god, dream. dream. Wow, so funny. I was like, oh my god, gay right show about that. Holy True. Shit. Who was buying um, the rights to that story? True. This is not as funny, but something I would frequently see at the supermarket on tabloids, like, and I saw this on multiple, like, at, at least three times throughout my life at, like, very different stages, and it was always a different celebrity. I can't name a single one, but it would have been, like, I don't know, in the same field of celebrity as, like, Cameron Diaz, like, like that generation type of thing, and this, she was not one of them that I saw on this, but it would be, like, 
blank has alien baby and i'm like are you serious like it's like like, you you try a little bit like well and it's also like what if she did just have a baby and they're saying it's like true like that baby's fucked up looking true yeah this ugly ass baby but the last point which i think would lead into like maybe next episode is saying like those sensationalist stories um can be viewed as inspiration for shows like Jerry Springer or I feel like maybe Ugh. like Maury because it's featuring members of the general public and has like a shock value and I thought that was really interesting was the dichotomy of either it's like completely about celebrities or it's like the most batshit unhinged story about like a member of the general public true and it's like yeah. and i Florida it, yeah and it's like that's the only way i feel like the narrative it's saying is like that's the only way you can get like noticed as the general public is like by doing like crazy shit or like having crazy shit happen to you yeah and then that's why people profit off of like or attempt to profit off of like going through like a horrible tragedy because they're like, oh, like I can monetize be the next sensationalist article. Yeah. 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 So, but yeah, I mean, that's basically like I was saying, like tabloids haven't changed. Like when I look at the tabloids, like when I'm checking out at Jewel or something, I'm like, this shit looks the same as when I was <laughs> no, a kid. Literally, it, it really they does. They truly have not changed. And I'm like, how are you still in business? Who is still buying these? That's like, I don't I Especially given that so much of like so much of tabloids now are digital with what we see on social media and stuff like that and advertisements. So who the fuck is even which that shouldn't even be a thing either, but like I can see how that's still existing. Who the fuck is still buying the prints? Like who right? I know. Right? I, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Um, okay, I do have some things to add. Yes, okay. about tabloids. So back to like the start, I just wanted to mention the term yellow journalism. So that's like the type of journalism that basically is just sensationalized anything. Um, and that was like the thing that was printed in the eighteen like the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds, with William Hurst um and Joseph Pulitzer, who were like if you guys have seen Newsies, those are the two owners of the newspapers in New York City that are rivals and they want to, like, fuck each other up. Um, they should have just kissed. They really should have kissed. Yeah. <laughs> That's sexual tension. Literally, though. And it means but, lovers, and, yeah. They, like, they knew how well that shit sold, so that's what they leaned into and that's, like, how yellow journalism became the main source of news because like even now we see that <laughs> news did you see me oh jump? hey <laughs> i saw you in my mirror <laughs> i just did you Apparition. guys see me jump no i didn't see you no jump. i was, like, I was on my google doc <laughs> i was doing this and i saw him behind me i like jumped so oh. bad all right jump sorry keep going really. um so fuck what was i saying um they saw that like that's the best way to that's what sold so that's how yellow journalism like became like the main source of news oh yeah yeah and now now we see that even like this has bled into just how regular news works because unfortunately this was the best selling type of way to produce like journalism so now we see shit like fox news and like all of those channels that just produce the most like outrageous content 
because they know that that's the shit that's going to ki- get people talking about them and that's going to keep their name in people's mouths. But um, also, I wanted to discuss the first iterations of gossip columns because this is also a huge thing in especially today's world, but like throughout the 2000s, um, gossip columns and like the the internet side of tabloids basically like the blogs the gossip blogs um has been like a huge way to perpetuate people's careers in being celebrities and in film and media and in anything um so there were there were also two rivals in the gossip columnist world um the first column was written in 1918 for William Hurst, and this was written by Luella Parsons. I love that name as a little 1918 um, gossip queen. So she had the first gossip column about movies and movie stars, and she even had like a radio show like where she interviewed celebrities. Um, so queen shit. No, literally girl boss. True. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, okay, podcasting inspiration. True. Um, yeah, so she, she had informants in, like, studio corridors, hairdressers, salons, lawyers, and doctor's offices. Um, her husband was a urologist and a Hollywood physician, and it was rumored that he passed on information that he learned as his position as a studio doctor to her because um, HIPAA was not a thing at this time. So that was legal no, we, we to just divulge that. people's information. Oh, nice. <laughs> Honestly, like a husband of the year. Yeah. <laughs> he's, helping yeah. her, he's helping her career. Literally, he's what a king. Truly. If he could, he would. Yeah. <laughs> or if he if he wanted to, he would. That's what they're Yeah. Doing. He came home from work and was like, baby, the tea was scalding. The, tea the urology was tea. <laughs> he's selling her like a telegram like mid <laughs> appointment. He's like, one second, one second. I don't want to forget this. <laughs> yeah. He's running it down on the clipboard. <laughs> Um, so she was regarded as a generally like sweet lady that these celebrities enjoyed talking to and she she was lauded and loved by celebrities meanwhile her rival is named Hedda Hopper and she was also she was also homie Hopper (laughs) yeah literally she was a columnist in the 1930s though and she she started her career as an actor and was in over 100 movies before writing any pieces so being an actress helped her to gain a shit ton of contacts and knowledge from her movie acting years. So her first <laughs> her first column story was a scandal about the president FDR's son um, having an affair with a nurse at the Mayo Clinic and getting a divorce from his wife after he was caught. Damn. Yeah. Damn. That's a big one to start with. No, I know. Real. Like she's coming after the president's son in her like, first story. God damn. <laughs> like, Jesus. Um, she was paid extremely well and lived a lavish life. Um, and her photos were even literally used in Nazi propaganda as a what? symbol of Am- American decadence. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Batty. Look at real Batty. Look at her. Miss Worldwide. Oh, yeah. <laughs> True. They wish they could be her. True. Finn. Okay. Oh, those are my cats. I was like, what's going on no. over there? <laughs> it's Finn crying. Oh. Um, okay, but Hedda, she was serving cunt 
literally. She was known for causing drama and scandals um, and was regarded as a person that everyone in Hollywood was either scared of um, and feared that she would write about them or extremely hated for having written either untrue or like extremely slanderous things about them. Oh my god. Yeah. She and gave no fucks. <laughs> it gets even worse because this queen <laughs> she she was a Republican. Oh so there it is. Being a Republican in the 1930s and 40s is like horrible. Um this queen literally is one of the driving creations behind the Hollywood blacklist. Um are you serious? And, yep, yep. She used her her power to destroy careers of people in the entertainment industry, whom specifically that she su- suspected of being a communist, because she also worked with the House of Un American Activities Committee. So she um, was one of those, like like the serious blacklisting type. Okay, yep. yep. She, wa- she wonder- was literally getting people deported. Oh, I wonder if she I feel like she had to have been paid off by the government, especially if it's like people are like she lived a lavish life like hmm." I'm sure salaried by the government for that shit. Are you kidding? Yeah. 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 And she also was a leading member of the Motion Picture Alliance for the preservation of American ideals, which sounds extremely like sounds racist. It sounds racist, homophobic, literally all all of misogynist, (laughs) all the things. (laughs) Yep, it was devoted to rooting out suspected communists in Hollywood. So yeah, she was a um, crazy psycho who we do not like. Um, and she fucked over a, like a bunch of people's careers. She she was like partially responsible for getting Charlie Chaplin. Um, I don't know if he was deported, but he was like barred from coming back into the U.S. after having left the country. Um, with Charlie Chaplin, I don't know for like a fan. Yes, I, I'm pretty sure permanently. I didn't know that happened to him. Holy yeah. shit! And for it I to mean, be I in, think he was also hands. a pedophile. Oh, I didn't know that. But, Who wasn't back then? I mean, I, I I, I, I'm not surprised by that at all. But I, wow, I also did not know that though. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Charlie she, she was able I don't to know get like about Charlie Chaplin. I know, right? She she was just the, her power to get people like extremely famous blacklisted and like literally sent out of the country was crazy. Um, yeah. Damn. Yeah. So, um. Aside from that, in the 1950s, the paparazzi became a thing. Um, Magazines, which like all these tabloids pretty much, were looking for pictures of celebrities that weren't staged and that they they were prepared to offer a healthy payment to those who could get them candid photos, especially those that put celebrities in compromising positions. Oh, so course. yeah, so, like any from, upskirt shots, send them over. <laughs> they're like, you see somebody smoking pot, take a picture. Yep, smoking dope. Yeah, snap a pic. <laughs> right, literally. So from the get go, the motives behind paparazzi were never positive. Um, and since then, they have literally only gotten worse. Um, they are simply there to generate revenue and disregard all the feelings for the people in the photos and to treat them as a, a complete object. Yeah. Um, yeah. And since then, we all know that the 2000s and the 90s, as I was talking about earlier, were like some of the fucking worst years for paparazzi, 
especially invading the privacy of celebrities. And I have a question people. about that really quick, yeah. which you might get into. Um, what do you think is the reason for that? Like, I don't know how much of that is. I want to say like, oh, it's part of that. The fact that, you know, like we grew up with that and stuff. But I also truly do believe from what I've seen when I've watched videos on this, like years ago and stuff, just general like celebrity culture stuff for the years, particularly with like people like Paris Hilton, Lindsay Lohan, et cetera figures during that time um and even now but you know what I mean like I know paparazzis were real bad during that time like is that is that like actually a thing or is that just because we knew more about it I feel like it's because of the the rise of the internet and I feel like because of like like digital cameras you're becoming like more accessible and like used and stuff so it was also easier for them to like take photos and videos of the celebrities so once again like them. a culmination Technology. of like all of these things once again like a culmination I think, of, um, but for terrible reasons i think yeah. it also has to do with like how large the circulation of the newspapers were or not the newspapers but like the magazines were at the time because i feel like obviously i don't know exact statistics but i feel like peak tabloid years like were the 90s so obviously these two things would go hand in hand like to produce more material you need more of these pictures and to to like increase the circulation amount you need to have the more sensationalized like crazy photos compromising photos of people to you know up uphold quote unquote the claims you're making in your newspaper in your in your magazines yeah um yeah but also, yeah, so the rise of the internet also definitely added to this. And I'm sure we all recognize the name Perez Hilton. Huh. Yeah. If you grew up as a, as a 90s, 2000s kid, um, Perez Hilton was one of the largest, most notorious and true, true definition of notorious um, yeah. celebrity gossip bloggers. He started feuds, personal feuds with tons of celebrities and use that as fodder for his his gossip site like literally we get into internet fights like twitter fights with people and blog fights i'm pretty sure he was in hollywood at the time like going out and trying to meet any celebrity he could just being he is just a chaotic behavior yeah yeah and i know now he's like chilled out but that's how he got his name out there and like made a ton of money so th- that was the thing like people wanted to get famous by exploiting famous people yeah and th- that's another thing is i, w- I want to ask you guys at the end of this what your definition of celebrity is but being a celebrity is inherently ex- exploitative like yeah. yeah whether you're using that to your gain or y- people are using that from you basically it's an exploitative experience all around and it, it sucks when it's not on your own terms, which yeah. is like what tabloids do. You know, they exploit celebrities to make their own money and exploit them in ways that are not true at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And now social media has like taken some of that power back by at least letting like the celebrity decide what they want to put on their own page and, you know, letting them at least have some decision making and like what they want to keep private also because i 
yeah what, what were you gonna say i was gonna say what's very timely as i saw uh, quite literally like uh, like perfect example of that today fka twigs just posted on instagram like the first picture was a picture of like i'm assuming it looks like it was what it would have been written like daily mail or something but you couldn't really see the title the whatever the name of the company but um it was like a picture of her and her new partner i guess and she was saying that she wanted to like reclaim the fact that like they're posting this so fine. Like I'm going to announce this person to the world with like an actual attractive picture of them. Cause paparazzi always take shitty pictures and stuff like that. And I was like, damn. And I, I know I, I've already thought about the fact that celebrities do have a chance to kind of narrate their own stories, not because social media, which is a good thing. And like to see a perfect example today was like, shit, this is very timely, at least for us in particular with this podcast. So Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just saw something recently from I think it was Madeline Klein yeah because she was talking she was getting interviewed about um Outer Banks season three and she was she talking the about yeah okay. um and she dated Chase Stokes from the show and someone was asking her like what did she learn from that breakup because they they stopped dating before season three was filmed and she was like it just made me learn how much I value my privacy and I, I'm seeing like so many more celebrities talk about how much they value privacy and like want to keep things private because they don't have that option a lot of the time now. Yeah. I mean, it's Which like, I'm like, like luxury for them to have. Like it's, yeah. it's like basically impossible. Even like yeah. I've, I, I was thinking about that the other day a lot because just thinking, especially like living in the city, even though like obviously I have like Mount Hermon and everything, it's like. I constantly feel like even here I'm like constantly being perceived and stuff. And it, and I was thinking, I'm like, I cannot, that is driving me crazy. Like constantly being seen on social media and everything. The thought like, and that, I mean, it's literally, I feel like it's driving me crazy sometimes. It's so like the thought of being a celebrity and actually having like millions and millions and millions of people's eyes on you constantly is like, yeah. I would not be able to breathe. Holy shit. Right. No, totally. Yeah. And also, Fuck, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, well, it's okay. Um, I was just going to... Well, that, like... I think that's partially why, like, I, like, rarely post on, like, personal stuff now. Because it's, like... It's, like, yeah, it's just posting something on social media. But it's, like... No, that's still, like, effort. And then especially for it to have been, like... Okay, I posted it. This, like, performative thing... I don't want to then put in effort, like for my work. I don't then want to put in effort to like post something about myself, you know, right. like, and I think that is like related to like a privacy thing. Like a hundred percent. People don't need to know. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't care what you're doing. Why? Like, you don't need to know what I'm doing. True. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember what I was going to say. I don't want it to sound like we're well, at least I'm speaking for myself. I don't want it to sound like I'm like, I don't even, I don't know, like saying woe is me to celebrities and like saying that they, you know, their life is so hard and so tough and we should feel so bad for them because they have so much wealth that we will literally never understand and like they can't fucking relate to us because of that. And, yeah, you know, that that's a whole other thing. But I do think that everybody can empathize with, like, having your privacy taken away from you and, like, yeah. not feeling safe going outside or just well, fe they, like, just feeling generally unsafe, like, going out in public. 
they are human beings at the end of the day, I right. think is yeah. like our, what we're like discussing. Like it, they had, it went through a big phase where like celebrities were like, had their like humanity like stripped from them yeah. because they weren't given any like dignity or like the ability to like have privacy or anything. And so yeah. I, I am like, it's still like, okay, you're still like the rich and you still have so many like more privileges than I do. And like, can do so many more things than I do simply because like you're a celebrity which like honestly isn't fair but you're also still like a human being and I'm like glad that like people at least can like respect that I completely agree that was very well said yeah because they are just fucking objectified left and right by everyone yeah um okay lastly I would like to talk about 2020 and Dumois yes please to end this episode so the 2000s you know gossip bloggers perez hilton all this like shit like that the blogs the unofficial blogs um were a thing talking about celebrities and keeping up with the celeb news but the pandemic hit and ushered in a new form of celebrity gossip with the Instagram page du moi, which is D E U X moi, French moi. Don't get it twisted. Yeah. <laughs> how how um how many followers does that page have, Jill? Because I really only know them because of you. Yeah, but same. I don't know if that's because I don't go on social media that much, or because like they are a bit smaller. Let They're pretty see. big. Oh, they have one point eight million followers. Okay. So du moi is a. Well, and Wikipedia says Dumois is a pseudonymous pseudonym. Pseudonym. Hold on, me. Pseudo. Pseudonym. I feel like there should be two ends in here. Pseudonym. But then it has O U S on the end. Oh, pseudonymous. Right, but the, it's there's only one N pseudonymous is what it says yeah i guess okay i'm just gonna say that's my favorite dinosaur (laughs) pseudonymous Pseudonymosaurus rex (laughs) (laughs) um okay dumois is an anonymous instagram page where blind items are shared either from sources that the owner of the page knows and trusts or from random anonymous people um, submitting stories that may or may not be true. So this is basically a crowdsourced gossip page um, with a lot of information and rumors about celebrities that may or may not be true at all. Um, And some of these allegations and rumors do come true and are confirmed within like a couple of months or weeks while others are disproven or never confirmed um and uh, like we just said dumois has uh, over a million followers almost two million she has a book out she has a podcast she's featured on like a shit ton of news articles and on other people's podcasts and she's just become like a phenomenon for celeb information and like the the celeb vault of blind items that may or may not be true and are usually nefarious of some sort in nature 
Jill, can you explain? Like, I, I know what they are because I've asked you, like, how exactly it works. Can you explain, like, the blind items thing? Because I would not have known that, like, before. Yeah. Yeah. So there is a website that you can go to to submit things. Um, and let's just see for the fun of it what it looks like. You basically submit, like, the title of what you wanted to say, um, what you want, like, the little tagline to be. Um, and you can put in an email or they don't have the website linked here you can put in an email or nothing and like you can say a non please and then you like put in your information you can't say specifically the names of anybody involved usually because that is can be considered slander and like legally dumois could get in trouble for posting that stuff um, if it says specifically. So the blind items are like, they allude to who they're talking about. They'll leave like clues sometimes in the messages. Some some of them are easy to, to guess. Other ones, I have no fucking idea who anyone is talking about. Um, but they are just like stories or allegations of shit people have been up to places they were seen people they were seen with if they maybe have been cheating on their partner or if they have been up to shit that is sketchy um there's a lot of stuff that dumois doesn't post like because she's very in the know about like what's legal to post and what's not so she can't post like anything that has to do with like drugs or like just illegal shit in general um, she, I know she doesn't post about, like, people under 18. She doesn't post about anybody's sexuality that, like, hasn't been discussed yeah. publicly. Um, and there's just, like, a lot of things that's, like, her call on what if she wants to post it or not, basically. Which I like that. Yeah. Yeah. She does have, like, very good discretion about what she thinks is okay to post and what's not. Yeah. Yeah. Good. And I that's mean, like she, all you can ask from yeah, somebody yeah. doing that. She's not the first person to do this. This is um she like is very open that she's gotten this idea from this other blind item page called Crazy Days and Nights, which is like the OG version of blind items. Um but that's like it's a more inaccessible source cuz it's just like a random website basically. Um and I don't know if they follow the same types of discretion rules that she does, I think that they just post like everything, mm. which can cause issues. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Nice. But yeah, yeah, that's the new iteration of celeb gossip. Um, and I don't know. I have a I question about, about that that's like unrelated yeah. to the actual gossip part of it, but I'm just curious does she make money from that? Like, I don't know if she, can she make money from that? She absolutely makes money from her podcast, from the book okay, sales, yeah. from going on. From I was going to say, like even just merch. Like, yeah. yeah like, oh, yeah. She, ha- she does I have I forgot merch. about that. Because I'm like, it's just interesting because like you can't, you're, you can't get famous from like, or you can't get paid for like ads and stuff. Like maybe like other people who became more famous on social media and therefore like are some level of an influencer can. So but she, I, I forgot she that does she has post- other avenues. She does post ads for things, though. Oh, okay. She okay. does. I mean, 
Because she has I close guess to two million followers. Without, yeah, you're right. Even without like, you, even if you're not selling the product like with a face to it, you're right. You could. Like, yeah, yeah. It. She like recommends products a lot. Interesting. And uh, apparently, she. I can't remember if it's supposed to be a show or a movie, but she has a deal with HBO. Oh shit! To produce oh. her book. Yes. Damn. I wonder Damn. how. Yeah. I, I'm assuming this information is anywhere because I know it, and I understand how this would like be a slippery slope if this information was known, and if she wants complete anonymity anonymity but do we know how old she is because i have to believe that she's like younger i feel like she's younger than 30 but That's we really I, don't yeah know. i always picture her like in 20s. her 20s yeah 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 like i, I don't know think she, she's our age but i feel like she's like a, a little bit older 30. yeah yeah definitely yeah um i know she lives in new york city so she's kind of like gossip girl oh my god literally, literally. that's actually I yeah. mean, so it's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. cool to think of yeah. it that way um yeah so okay so what's the question that you wanted to pose to us shaysel oh okay a question i had that was i saw this comment being made on an article particularly when discussing kind of like the greek philosophers back then and other ancient greeks being their kind of version of celebrities it made this comment which is this is definitely you know like it could be an opinion but i see some truth to this for sure it talked about how back then celebrities cared more about being like remembered post-mortem as opposed to now it's more about being like remembered throughout one's lifetime and I mean there's definitely many many reasons for that to like ponder over but I was wondering why you guys think that might be because like I don't know it, it it's certainly in the same way that we can never as people separate ourselves from society and stuff like that it's most certainly very affected by like the times everything like that but at the same time on like a very personal human level I want and, and everyone's like constant existential crisis with mortality. Like it's interesting how that something like that would change. But I understand how like society would make us act it out a little bit differently. I just don't know if the motives are truly different. For me, it's like, I mean, we've just are we're like in like a post capitalist society because it's so extremely capitalist that it's no longer like truly capitalist. But it's so like money focused. It's like. How am I going to make money if bitches are remembering me when I die? I need the money now. True. And then the other thing is, at least from, like, my standpoint and, like, like how religion is becoming, like, less and less common, like, I think people, less people believe in an afterlife. So then it's, like, I'm going to be fucking dead on the ground. Like, I, that's not going to, like, it is, like, you know, like, everything you do in life is, like, inherently selfish because, like that's just like the nature of like being a human Mm -hmm. um but so it's like why or like being an animal but it's like i don't care i mean i should hope people remember me when i die from like a narcissistic standpoint of like y'all better miss me but like that's not gonna affect me in the same way that like being known while i'm alive it will that definitely makes sense for sure yeah because i feel like if you believe in an afterlife and like being able to like watch the earth and shit like that like then you're just hoping for that celebrity status but after you die and you're like banking on the fact that you died to like amp up your potential to be a celebrity because you know that like when like artists die it's like oh they can never make another work of art and so then all their art becomes like more expensive and shit like that it's like if you think you're gonna be like in heaven watching it then you get that celebrity like 
dick sucking. True. <laughs> Forever. But, you, but like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Instead of like, just while you're alive. But it's like, if you don't believe in an afterlife, then it's like, who cares? That's very true. true. Yeah. Yeah. I think it definitely has to do with um, wealth and how back in the day, like class, the classical times, celebrities, like they weren't becoming famous to to gain money and notoriety yeah. in society to like get special treatment or special privileges they just they simply were like passionate about the things that they were doing and that was like their life's work to Agreed. do that it, they they weren't going into these fields or careers with the goal of being famous where like now the goal is to get wealth and to be famous and to and like yeah, be like known. The Kardashians are like inha- many, but like the Kardashians are like inherently that. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. yeah. And to like be compensated for what you're like doing, being famous for just being famous. Right, right, right. So I think that's a big reason why. And also, like people didn't live as long back in the day. So true, being known. <laughs> Being known throughout your life, like, you didn't have as much time. <coughs> You're like, I better be known. No, I completely agree. I better I better become, like, just post-mortem famous because I only got 30 years on here. Like, yeah, yeah. Literally. <laughs> I had a good yeah. run. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. And also, like, they didn't, they simply didn't have the means to become like the same type of celebrity there is now like with photographs and the telegram and like worldwide news like you were a localized micro celebrity like in the truest term if you were one at all and then it would take years and years and years for your shit to go you know like somebody that was big in europe it would take years and years and years for them to get over like their work to get over to the US and they'd be fucking dead yeah. by then. So right. Yeah. They would have died as syphilis. They would have Yeah. They <laughs> got bit by a rat on the ship that was bringing their work over. Oh you know? true. They had passed the bubonic plague on. Yeah. <laughs> a slew so, of things. <laughs> um is that Chasel, did you have an answer you wanted to share or were you like not no, sure and- I didn't I didn't have an answer I wanted to share it was kind of like a combination of both and like more so leaning towards originally although I completely agree with your theory Nikki after you mentioned it like really but what you mentioned Jill about how back then like the fame was different I feel like there were so much I mean there I do believe there I mean, I've seen a lot of arguments about this like all the time even like back in school with like postmodernism and is anything actually like new anymore and stuff like that and there is a lot to say about that like if there are any original ideas anymore blah blah, blah. I think that there has to be something that we have yet to discover but I don't know if it's completely original anyways I mean there's a lot we haven't discovered but I do believe that back then it was so much I mean not everyone but if I'm thinking of like ancient Greek times with the ones that we know of it was so much of exploring your own internal world and as a result making theories about the world and everything that I feel like the fame that you got truly came like just generated from what you created in one way or another as opposed to now it's more of like 
what can I flaunt in one way or another? And it's not just, and I was going to mention like the, the aspect of beauty involves in everything, but beauty has been like in some way or another, an important factor throughout history. I mean, there are entire philosophies based on like art and beauty and aesthetics and all that stuff. But yeah, I don't know. It's, I think that now it's more of like flaunting what already exists in one way or another. And especially coming in with like the materialism aspect, the post-capitalist aspect and all those things. And I think back then it was like more of what you could generate individually as a human being into this world. Yeah, she sounds like, damn, I was born in the wrong generation. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> if I was born oh, in Clint. ancient Greece, I could have been a real, but like whole ass, like <laughs> whole ass. I like, yeah, you could have been yeah. Socrates. Well, no, literally, if my brain wasn't fried from spending so much time on social media and so much weed, I could have been a philosopher. <laughs> <laughs> I blame society. Just thinking. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you guys what what your definition of celebrity is mm. when you asked that my like earlier my immediate thought so maybe this will change but my immediate thought was like you're a celebrity once like an outside entity talks about you so like okay. like i feel like like you can be on TikTok and like post, 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 get a lot of followers, whatever. But then the second that you're talked about, not and also it's like not just for like one video, but you as a person are talked about. Yeah. So not just like you're like, oh, this viral video went crazy. Here's a person who filmed it. But like if it were me, like Nikki Grundy, blah, 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 then that brings you to celebrity status but there's like so many tiers of celebrity you know like a-list celebrity and stuff like that but i think that's what crosses you over into like the fame realm i'd have to think more about my specific definition so i'm gonna ponder that for the next episode but for now like i don't mean like completely piggyback on that but i think that that would be my my example of it too and like like specifically the part that you said it's like not just like a particular video or even a couple but it's like once like your persona is what's even making you go watch a video and obviously there are varying degrees like you said a-list celebrities even even like micro influencers and stuff like that i don't really i don't really know how to quantify what like crosses that threshold because it's not like you could even say like oh 10k followers or something like that it's i think there is like a certain level of like I mean, I guess you could be like a one hit wonder if you're a musician and still be a celebrity, but there is like a certain level of like consistency that comes into play too. Cause you need to be talked about for a certain amount of time too, for even if you're forgotten about later on, like you still like temporarily made history in some way and you have to exist like in the public eye for a little bit for that to happen. Yeah. Well, and like, think about, we've definitely talked about like, I've been like, oh, she's a celebrity in the sex work community. Yeah. You know, like there's, that's yeah. why I'm like, there's, there are also like levels to it and you For can sure. be a celebrity in one community or like Shelby would talk about somebody in the art community and it's like, who the fuck are you talking about? But everybody in yeah. the art community knows who right. that person is. Like, right. I, I think that that person would still be considered a celebrity. I agree. Even though, like, I don't know who they are, you know? Yeah. My definition that I came up with is being a celebrity is a person who is involved in some type of activity or media that truly, deeply resonates with people and causes strong feelings in the viewer, whether those are positive or negative. So basically, like... That's a good answer. Yeah. It's It's a more... 
A lot more words than what you said, Nikki, but like same idea. Exactly. Well, so what I was going to say then to be like, and not to be like a shithead, but to like discuss your definition. So then like how you're saying like it, what they do like causes or like resonates with the viewer. Where is that like between like, like what if I made like one emotional video on TikTok and it really moved somebody? so it resonated with that viewer does that make me a celebrity or like what at what point do I become the celebrity like does it have to resonate with a certain amount of people I think that like somebody can feel like a celebrity to you whether they're well known or not you know like if you were like idolize a person that you follow on social media whether they have a lot of followers or not they can be like a celebrity to you True. true yeah it's like almost like Anybody who, if you're placed on a pedestal by even just one person, yeah, that doesn't know you personally, yeah, because I think that too. Like, I think you can be like idolized by somebody who knows you, but if it's like from some random person, then it yeah. feels just like different. Agreed. Yeah. yeah, that is a good question, though. I like that question. Me too. It's definitely something that like I would like to revisit once we're done with this series to see if it's evolved in any way for us, along with other yeah. questions that we've had throughout this for sure. Well, thank you for listening for today's episode as we kind of start this series on just like celebrity culture, tabloid culture, moving forward into like why it is that we love to hate on celebrities, et cetera, et cetera. I'm excited to hear what else we come up with as this series goes on. I'm not sure how many episodes we'll be having on this right now, but y'all will find out soon um but i am very happy about this series i think it's very interesting and i mean always very timely but i think in particular with on our podcast we talk so much about pop culture things and this is kind of like i mean this in itself is like inherently pop culture related which i think is like very cool to analyze that as a whole so yeah again thank you guys for listening you can listen to our podcast on like basically all streaming platforms with i I know predominantly most people listen on like spotify apple podcasts etc we have plenty jill very nicely created a little link tree on our instagram that's kind of wavy which you should also follow us on as well as on twitter and on the link tree you can see the many places in which you can listen to our podcast if people are out here listening to some very you know niche podcast platform we got you (laughs) grassroots (laughs) yeah for real (laughs) Bye. bye